Good morning and welcome everybody. You listen to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM. I usually say this at the beginning of the show. I know, show, I was I? confused for a second. I was like, we've done this. <laughs> we've done it, but that was the intro jingle, so I'm going to do the intro, the intro oh, spiel, you see. Yeah. Okay, so we are turning things on its head today. Normally we would be into Encounter with God right now. We've finished Encounter with done. God. It's over and done. You yeah. missed it. Could have talked longer, but done. We could. We could. So uh, normally, for those of you who are tuning in for the second half of the show, who normally get the Encounter with God section, today you're going to get the news section. We've turned the show on its head. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to have uh, two sections now called Positively Different News, followed by more serious news. Minnie, I have been waiting all morning for your Positively Different News. Oh, it always makes me feel just full of joy in the morning. I tell you, I really enjoy finding them. I mean, some of them are like, oh, like, it's nice, but like, not, like, I wouldn't share it necessarily. It's just, it's a nice story. But even just like reading through them, it's so nice. Yeah. And there's been a couple of ones when, like, that I've shared here that I'm like, man, this is the best story. You haven't like, cried on radio yet. I very doubt, like, I do. <laughs> You're not that person. I'm not that person. Man, I hardly cry. Oh. Sometimes, sometimes back in the day, we would have a positively different news story that was a real tearjerker. Mm. And,. Yeah, I might have been guilty of trying to get my co-host to cry on occasions. <sighs> oh, that's terrible. No, no, no. I mean, I'm a very emotional person. Uh, not so much in front of people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Has does happen. Yes. Like, I'm open to it happening. Like, I'm this, definitely this, the person. This is your challenge, people. <laughs> Come up with a, a positively different news tearjerker story to send us through. Let's have some. Let's have some stories. Okay. Let's go for it. So. Wedding receptions. We know yes. how they normally tend to go. Yes. Like you've got some food, you've got some cake, You, depending on the speeches, wedding. Speeches. Yep, you might have some lots dancing, maybe of speeches. not. Lots of speeches. Oh, man. Sometimes you'll have little activities, like you might have some different wedding games. I've been to a few this year, well, over the past year. Wedding games are the best. Some of them are so funny. Like, I'm glad I'm <laughs> the one here. The wedding to- games where you get all of the audience, all of the, all of the, the attendees involved. Yeah. I was at one uh, just a couple of months ago and they had this up. You know how normally people do their like dinghy on the glass? I hate it. The tradition to like get them to kiss the bride uh-huh, and groom. Uh-huh. But this one, you had I'm a kissing just, menu. When, when I come to your wedding, I'm still going to ding on the glass <laughs> like 10 I'm times. I'm just not going to get married. There we go. Solve that problem. <laughs> but they had a thing. So it's like, no, you guys can't just ding. You have to put effort in. And so they had a bunch of different options. So you could choose as a table, you could serenade them. Oh, okay. Yep, and then they had to kiss. Or you could do, oh, what else did they have? Then you had like um, example. So you had to like demonstrate a certain way that they should kiss and then they had to do that. And yeah, um, I could do that. Yeah, Serenade were, them, no. Yeah. <laughs> Demo, yes. There was a few, what else? There? Anyway, they had about six options and that was fun. I mean, there was a lot that I was never going to do, but it was fun. Well, see, I'm married, so I can, I can do the demonstrate. <laughs> It's fun just because everyone got involved a little bit. Uh-huh. You're just like, all right, guys, like if this is what you, the people want, then digging you have is to. out. <laughs> Which I just, I think it's the worst tradition. Have never been married, but I just, oh <laughs> no, <laughs> weddings in general, all those people looking at. But anyway, we know how they normally go. Um, but there's one couple this year. Obviously, COVID came, changed the rules about weddings. Um, some places, you know, it's going back a little bit more to normal. Um, but for some people, there's a couple in Ohio who recently got um, got married and they decided to opt out of the traditional reception um, because of COVID concerns. So they could have still gone ahead. Yeah, America's pretty much doing whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. But these guys decided, nah, look, we're still going to do a ceremony with close family and friends. But then for the reception, they had already put the down payment on for the catering 
And they were like, you know what, rather than asking for a refund, hey, what was the chick's name? Uh, Lena Brown. They said, hey, can you, instead of doing that, we want to make a contribution to a women's shelter and we want you to spend the money and the food that we were going to have at our reception and we're just going to donate it. Um, And the one condition was, and we want to come and help serve the food. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it would have been paid for. They ended up having um, the gift. They didn't say how much it was, but however much it was, was enough to cover quite a few days of food. Um, And then they just had to design the menu a little bit with Laura's Home. That was what Mm -hmm, it's called. mm -hmm. With their kitchen manager to make it more like kid-friendly, like family, not just, you know, wedding. (laughs) Delightful. You can't live on wedding food. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, so that's what they did. Um, so the couple had their ceremony and then they headed straight there. So she's still in her gown. He's still in his The best story ever. The best. And, um, yeah, they had the obviously hair nets and gloves and all the things. And the CEO of the city mission, which oversees Laura's home, he was like, you know, it, it isn't unusual for people to come and contribute and donate. And he said, but there was something really, really special about seeing that. Well, can you imagine? Mm hmm. This is a women's shelter. Yeah. Can you imagine the amount of love that these people would have just been just just saturated uh-huh. in because every woman who was there at the women's shelter would have been like, this is so amazing. Fully. You are so amazing and just, just poured out bucket loads of love on them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something really special too in that like they start their marriage in serving. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, they've been together for however long. Because marriage is a very, very selfless exercise. It's, a, it's basically an exercise in selflessness. That's what it's all about. Oh, that's why it's scary. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, but, um, and so, yeah, their catering budget, as like I said, turned out to be quite substantial. Um, this guy who I said was the CEO of the thing, they said, he just said it was so, such an incredibly and unbelievable act of generosity and compassion. And, as you said, like for the people who would have been there, how special would have that? I mean, imagine if there was kids there. I don't know what age is, but I've definitely seen some little girls that if they just see any woman in a nice dress, they're like, "Oh, mum, she's a princess!" Like, uh-huh, imagine uh-huh. how special well, every that little girl, every little girl at some particular point in their life has a daydream about, you know, wearing a white dress and getting married and being um, a. Most, I wouldn't say every, <laughs> except many. Yeah. Uh, at some stage, surely at some stage. No, not no, once, not, never. No, no. Okay. not when I was a kid. No. I mean, I I appreciate. I love weddings. Yes, I love going to other people's weddings. Yes, I can see I you getting married in something daydream. very colourful. Really? Yes. I think my mum always expected it would be at a beach, and I was like, I can go for that. Yeah, bare feet. Absolutely, I can see that. Pull the pull the whole Middle East and like go for a week, so you actually get to hang out with people. That's epic. Yeah. That is epic. Yes, yeah. love Middle East. Have you ever been to a Middle Eastern wedding? No, but I have a Pakistani like auntie, and she's like, "I'll take you. I'll take you." <laughs> they are. They are. Okay, this is Middle East. They are the people who know how to do weddings. Just, I just it. putting it. They are the ones who know how to celebrate. <laughs> Nobody celebrates like they do. So much happiness and joy and dancing and just, just everybody. It's just next level. Do you think? I know this is a bit off topic now, it is. but this is something I often think about our culture specifically as like Western Australian, whatever you want to call it, 
We actually, I don't think we know how to full celebrate well. Nah, we don't. Like we like to say we not do. When you, not when you see, well, not yeah. when you see some other culture celebrate, it's like, oh, we really have no idea, do we? Yeah. We just have you know, lots of speeches. Speeches <laughs> and speeches. <laughs> What's with all of the speeches? I you know, get know. everybody up from their tables, get them intermingling, having fun, of course, after COVID. No, yes. That's yeah. what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But anyway, so that was a cool story. We've run out of time for my second one. That's okay because go them. Yes. Oh, this is the best story ever. Really enjoyed that one. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, heading over to news. Okay, so another story, and this one is coming out of Tasmania, where Senator Claire Chandler published an opinion piece in the Hobart Mercury. So the Hobart Mercury, a major uh, newspaper in Tasmania. It's kind of the newspaper down there everybody reads. Um, she's published an opinion piece in there. This is what senators do. This is actually their job. Their job is to have an opinion and to share that opinion and to argue that opinion. That's the that's the that's why that's why we elect them. That's what their purpose is. Um, and her opinion is the same opinion that is held by the vast majority of Australians. So she's agreeing with the vast majority of Australians, and that is that women's and girls' sport is only for biological women. There are a multitude of very good reasons for this. Um, having women's sport simply becomes a farce if you let biological males compete in it. And so as a result of publishing that opinion piece, she has been gagged, dragged before the Anti-Discrimination Board, uh, that raises a whole bunch of questions in my mind. It's, okay, what kind of a country are we living in right now when you are no longer allowed to debate an opinion as a politician. You're not even allowed to debate your view. as You can have a view, but you can't debate it. You, you can have an opinion, you just can't say anything about it, even if it is the majority opinion in the country. I tell you, it tells us something about the times in which we live. It tells you about how the world is changing and every one of these changes that we say taking place in our world today are changes that indicate that Jesus is coming back soon. Think about this from a religious liberty perspective, because under that same legislation, you are not allowed to have or to share a biblical perspective on God creating Adam and Eve as male and female, distinctly male and female, just two sexes. If you take the biblical position, that's illegal. So there goes your freedom of religion. Okay, so that's what's happening down in Tasmania. And a lot of people say, well, you know, it's kind of a small state. It won't affect the rest of Australia. No, it will affect the rest of Australia. These kinds of issues always do. All right, heading across to Perth in Western Australia, uh, where they are about to have mayoral elections. In other words, they're going to elect a mayor. Okay, so this is an interesting one because apparently they uh, have um, the, the local city over there for a very long time has put on a nativity display. And I can see Liam here as a native Western Australian. He's nodding his head. No doubt he's been to that uh, event. Liam, you've been to that event? Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times uh, in the city. Uh, traditionally in Perth, uh, as an Adventist, we've got Road to Bethlehem. So yes, that's a similar kind of program. That's predominantly our focus over there, going through the, the a journey of uh, Jesus' birth. But there is this other one that happens in the city as well that I've heard of. Okay, so, um, of course, the, uh, the, the city commission has cancelled Christmas. 
And this, of course, was before COVID hit, so it's not got anything to do with COVID. And, you know, we're hoping that by the time Christmas comes around, they'll be able to have these kinds of uh, get-togethers. And certainly in Western Australia, which seems to have been COVID-free for a very, very long time, um, it's at least something that they should be planning for. They cancelled it because it was not inclusive enough. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at Christmas, Christmas is like the most inclusive event that we have in Australia. People of every different faith, every different background, every different uh, ethnicity, atheists, the vast majority of atheists in Australia have Christmas. I'm trying to think of something that is more inclusive than Christmas. Maybe Anzac Day, but you know what? There's a lot of people in Australia who were not allies of Australia in the wars that we have that we have fought in the past. You know, what about the Turkish community? Or come down to the Second World War, and what about the German or Japanese community? Or come down to, you know, the Vietnam War. We have a huge population of Vietnamese people living in Australia. This is not an inclusive event. We're going to cancel Anzac Day as well? No. Yeah, cancel Christmas because this is a war on Christianity. Good news is that in the mayoral elections, that uh, the various candidates, the major candidates, have vowed to uh, bring down the commissioners, um, the city commissioners' uh, action, and to reinstate Christmas in the city of Perth. And I think that's a good thing. It's uh, and it's a great opportunity that time of year to remember all that Jesus has done for us. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so joining us on the phone for interview of the day is Kent Kingston for his regular monthly update from Signs of the Times. Kent, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? It's good good to be with you this morning. And how are you, Faith FM? And how are you, Australia? Yes, we're all doing well here at Faith FM, and we are praying that all of our listeners are doing well as well. Uh, Kent, this morning, uh, what's the latest edition of Signs of the Times all about? Well, it's someone actually emailed me the other day and said, what an incredible edition of Signs of the Times. I, I read it from cover to cover, and then I went back and reread all the articles again. That was so good. <laughs> so, um, Well, praise yeah, God. So, That's got to be a, yeah, it's be a good edition when you're getting, when you're getting uh, recommendations like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's really good, and certainly there are a lot of things, uh, a lot of content in there that is certainly very thought provoking and uh, and uh, you know very informative, and you'll you'll certainly come away, yeah, with 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 a, with a lot of thoughts and uh, a lot of uh, new information and and things to think about. So, yeah, look, I, I'm I'm just looking at these different articles, thinking where do I start? Where do I start? Um, Look, we we tackled one um, one quite tricky issue um, that New Zealand in particular is is going to need to face, but Victoria has faced recently, and that's the issue of euthanasia. Um, should it become legal? Mm. Um, and yeah, this 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 is a big one. And our author um, Julie Belding, who's writing from New Zealand, um, actually takes the the no case um, quite strongly. And says, you know what? This, uh, despite all all this talk of of choice and things like that, 
it's it's a, a scary thing, um, and and I guess you know we see this with COVID. You know, our, the older people in our population are particularly threatened, um, and there's always that question of, well, you know, how much effort should we, um, you know, be putting into you know helping people survive who are perhaps at the end of their lives. You know, they've had a good life. You know, they've had a good innings, as we often say, um, and you know. This is the, the sort of stage of life where I remember my father-in-law. You know, he he had a do not resuscitate order um, on him. So, you know, if if, if he did go into some sort of uh, arrest or um, something like that, the medicos were told to stand back and let nature take its course. So, you know, this is the, the sort of thing that that happens, and we know this happens. Mm. Um, we, you know, we all have to die at some point. But the question is. Should we take that extra step and actually assist someone um, to die who says it's it's time for me to go? And what what Julie says in this article is, you know what, old people, older people may be put in this position where they feel as though they're a they're a burden on their families, they're a burden on on their society, and and that perhaps it would be the the thoughtful thing to do, the the polite thing to do for for all concerned to um, just quietly, you know, put your hand up for, uh, yep, it's okay, uh, maybe it's time for me to go and you, you can knock me off. She says, that's not a pressure that anyone should be put under. Um, you know, we, people are precious. Each one is created in, in the image of God. And uh, when we start opening this door to, to euthanasia, we can end up in situations where, where vulnerable people who are already vulnerable um, are now placed in a position of uh, feeling they need to, you know, put their, put their hand up to, uh, to say, yeah, maybe euthanasia is the best way for me, which becomes less voluntary, I guess, in in those circumstances. So yeah, she she does make a good argument. That's a very tricky subject to cover. I'm glad that you have uh, that you've tackled it, and it seems like that she has tackled this in a in a thoughtful and caring way. At the same time as dealing with a with a challenging subject. What else is happening in uh, in the world of science there, uh, Ken? Well, look. <laughs> My my uh, my co uh, editor Daniel Kuberek, um picked up this uh, this book that was published back in 1991. You know the 90th best decade. Um, it was by uh, Strauss and Howe, and it was called Generations. And basically, what they did is they looked at the last few centuries. They looked at the ups and downs, the the crises and the and the recoveries, the renewals, and they. They started to track this sort of 80-year cycle, you know, that goes around and around and around. And interestingly enough, what they predicted in their book was that at around the time 2020, um, we were due for another crisis. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were they, so basically looking back through history, looking through the cycles of history, and then forming a projection. Yeah, that's right. And and so now of course people have picked up this book again and said, "Wait a wait a minute, what the heck? Here we are in 2020 and we do feel like we're facing a a fairly major crisis." So, you know, this this is the sort of thing that you know, makes people wonder, doesn't it, in in terms of um, you know, what is going on in this world? Is there a plan? Is there a pattern? Where do I fit into it? Um, 
and the yeah, these these are the sort of questions we ask, and and I guess the direction that you know our colleague Daniel goes in, in into it there is is also to say, you know, are we just caught in this cycle? Is it inevitable? Um, is there any escape from this round and round and round? Um, and you know, is there any hope? Um, and I think those are good questions. Um, you know, sometimes you know, I think it helps to look at the world around us and to step back and to ask ourselves, what is going on? Is there any plan? Is there any hope? Is, is there any future? Um, and and I guess you know, this book that that he encountered was was sort of a, a springboard for those sorts of sorts of thoughts. So. Um, Look, I, I guess all, all I can say in regards to that article is that you, you need to, um, you know, jump on the website, signsofthetimes.org.au, and to see what, what Daniel has done with that and, and where he goes with it. Um, and to, yeah, and to ask yourself that, that question, you know, what, what hope do I have, uh, for the future? But, um, look, his article is not the only one sort of looking at, at these questions. Um, my, my mum, um, Janet Kingston, uh, for quite a while was a religion teacher herself. And if you know anything about the religion curriculum in, in high school these days, it's not just about, you know, a Christian school teaching kids about Christianity. Um, you know, a, a good religion course will actually expose kids to all the major world religions. And this is what she did. Um, she took kids around to a synagogue, you know, to a mosque, to a Buddhist temple, to a Hindu temple, um, so that so that the kids could learn, you know, from the sources, from the religious leaders in each of these places, you know, what their religions are all about. But something that she noticed after doing this for a few years is that each of these major world religions is all expecting some sort of, well, I guess from a Christian point of view, we'd say a Messiah figure to turn up. You know, the Jews are still expecting a, a Messiah. Um, the Muslims are expecting the, the, um, the Mahdi and, and for Jesus himself to appear on the day of judgment. Um, Hindus are looking forward to the arrival of, um, of a supreme being, um, called Kalki, who, interestingly enough, if you're into, you know, the book of Revelation, um, holds a flaming sword and rides a white horse. Um, you know, Buddhists are waiting for the, um, the Maitreya to appear, um, to, uh, to bring the world full enlightenment. And she was like, this is really interesting. All the world's major religions are looking for this person, um, this savior figure, this messiah figure who is going to, I guess, disrupt human history, um, and, and usher in this, this new era. And she found that parallel really fascinating. Were you aware of that, uh, Lyle, guys there in the studio? Yeah. And my, I guess my follow up question from that is, are they all also looking for or expecting, uh, an apocalypse as in the end of the world as we know it at some particular point in time? It, it certainly seems to be that, that, yeah, that this is, um, this is often, um, included, yeah, in the coming of the Messiah. I mean, the Hindus certainly, yeah, um, you know, this, Kalki comes in with a flaming sword, rides a white horse and ends the present age, you know, destroying evil and chaos. Um, so, yeah, and, and the Buddhists, I guess, you know, have the, 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 the Maitreya appears and yeah it's it's a new age that that is that is ushered in so this does seem to be very very much a case and i, I guess this raises two questions for us i mean 
first of all, it points out to us that, hey, in the heart of, it seems, just about every human being on Earth, you know, there is this desire, there is this sort of looking to the future, um, this wanting... Uh, to, to to look for for a savior for an answer for um, something to get us out of this you know this cycle that that Daniel you know, was talking about in in his article um, and and I but then the, it's closely followed by a question um, how do we know which of the, these messiahs is the one we actually really should be looking for because what what the Bible does is it actually warns of false messiahs and false prophets and says you know what. Um, it's not simply a case of hey, you've got your truth, you've, uh, I've got mine. Um, we all see the truth in in a different way. We're all looking for a Messiah from our own perspective. That's that's all cool. Um, what Jesus warned himself was that no, there will be false messiahs and false prophets. Don't be fooled by them. Um, so I guess we have a choice here. Um, you know, do we just accept all the messiahs as as sort of representing the same Messiah, or? Is there one true Messiah, and we'd better be careful not to be deceived by the false ones? Mm, mm, absolutely, um, Kent. You've got some amazing um, articles in this month's magazine. We've got maybe time for one more quick one that you can tell us about. All right, all right. Let, let me finish with with something a, a little lighter. Um, and if you've been listening to Faith FM, you would have heard this just within the last couple of weeks. Um, Ashley. Stanton um, set herself the the 2020 buy nothing challenge. Um, she realised she'd become a bit of a shopaholic, and so she said, "You know what? For 2020, the only clothes and accessories I will buy will be secondhand." Wow. Um, so. Yeah. So this didn't completely cure her shopping addic- addiction, really. It kind of displaced it into an op shopping addiction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so one addiction for another. <laughs> yeah, but but look, in the case, it, it in, sorry, in the um, in the process, it really, uh, I guess, you know, got her thinking and got her researching. You know, what is the deal um, with these clothing stores? Um, she particularly looked in the at this issue of fast fashion. You know, I didn't realize this, but there are some particular um, clothing brands where, the, you know, how there used to be a, you know, a spring and an autumn and a summer, winter sort of season. Well, now there are new seasons, you know, in inverted commas, coming out about twice a week in, in, in a lot of shops. <laughs> okay. So, Kent, yeah, you and I would know a, this. Yeah, there's a new look and, and a new um, sort of whole set of clothes coming out in, in some stores about twice a week. Yeah, um, so this is just crazy. It um, is. And so in, in, in terms of the, um, the, the ways that these clothes are produced, not to mention the carbon miles to get them to us, um, you know, the, the, the abuses of, of, of the workers who are, who are making these clothes, you know, just pumping them out. This, they're often cheap sort of disposable clothes, really. A couple of washes, they're faded, they're all sort of stretched out of shape, you know. It's very much disposable fashion. And so she, you know, she looks at the, the impact of this in terms of environment, in terms of worker um, you know, rights, um, in terms of health, um, and just says, wait a minute, let's just, let's just get off this consumerism bandwagon for a second and really think about what's important and how we can live differently. Because this is, I guess, what, what it comes down to in a way. You know, it's, um, it's nice to think about these bigger questions of where the world is going, but in the end, it's got to come down to a question of how do I treat 
other people? Um, how do I live? How do I make my decisions? And it even mm. comes down to, you know, sometimes what we wear, what we choose to spend our money on, you know, because every time we spend a dollar, that's a vote. It in, is. In effect, that's a vote. That's a vote for a certain sort of product, a certain sort of company, a certain sort of industry. Um, and I guess we, we need to think carefully about that. So, yeah, there's some really, really interesting um, and entertaining sort of issues there, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, Ashley's 2020 buy nothing challenge. So, look, that's just a sample of uh, what's in the September uh, Signs of the Times magazine. That's fantastic, Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. We are completely out of time. Uh, when I come back, I'm going to be talking how, all about how you can get hold of your copy of Signs of the Times. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We just had our interview of the day. That was Ken Kingston who joined us earlier to talk about those really interesting subjects. And even during that short song, we had uh, we, we just... Mm. We just couldn't stop talking about the articles that are in Signs of the Times magazine this month and wishing that we had a copy right here in front <laughs> of us so that as soon as the show was over, we could just sit here and devour it together. Uh, the great thing is that if you would like to uh, get your copy of Signs of the Times, you simply go to signsofthetimes.org.au. That is the place to go. That is where everything starts. There you can uh, get your subscription, your annual subscription, which is like as cheap as chips. It's like literally a couple of bags of chips. <laughs> it is. Uh-huh. Or, or maybe one one tub of hot chips. That's that's your you know, that's your Signs of the Times uh, subscription for the year, and it just has the most up-to-date, really, really good, high-quality articles in it dealing with the issues that we are facing right now. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, This is a magazine that is not talking about things that were happening this time last year. It's talking about issues that are happening. You know, euthanasia is an issue in Tasmania right now. They are debating that in Tasmania right now. Aye. And it's going to work its way through all the different states and different countries and so forth. This is an issue that is not going away. And how should we react to that? Uh, so these are the kind of tough issues that they are tackling in uh, Signs of the Times magazine. And I really congratulate Kent Kingston for what he's doing. Go to signsofthetimes.org.au. You can read most of the articles there, not all of them, to get the uh, the gold class experience. <laughs> get the paper version. Hey, that's yeah, the but we one. say that about everything. That's the one. Get the paper version. The paper version can have all those extra articles in it and the battery will never go flat. <laughs> all right. We're doing things a little bit backwards this morning. We are into our Encounter with God section uh, this morning. We're having our Bible studies first and we're going to have our news section second. And so here we go. We were in First John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. We were talking a little bit earlier about the wide variety of disciples that Jesus picked. Yeah. And then we talked about, because someone texted in about the fact that he picked us with all of our brokenness. And then somebody, and we talked about the the political divide that there was between them. Um, Somebody texted through to say that, you know, both sides of the because we talked about how you know Jesus Jesus picked people from both sides of the political mm-hmm. divide and how if you want unity, don't look to other people, Just look to Jesus, Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, he talked about how both sides of the political divide were not just picked by Jesus, but both sides of the political divide at the end of time unite, mm. but they unite against God and mm. against God's people. Now, that's interesting. That's actually huge. Okay. Mm. Is that possible? 
Is it feasibly possible when you look out at our world today to have both sides of the political divide uniting? Well, just think, yeah. look at COVID. Exactly. It doesn't matter whether you are right or whether you are left. There are variations. Everybody's on the same page. Mm. Get a big enough crisis, everybody's united. Interesting. Yes, we often said it was impossible. Now we know <laughs> that it's not. That it's not impossible. <laughs> Indeed, we've also got a text coming through that's talking about the personation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So if you want a uniting force, mm. have Jesus turn up on earth. And we were talking here. You know, this is interesting. This is actually an interesting comment in, in the context of the uh, interview that we just had with Kent Kingston where he was talking about um, all of the different, the major world religions. And so uh, the Jews are looking for a Messiah. Christians are looking for the return of Christ. Uh, Buddhists are looking for the Maitreya. Mm. Uh, Hindus are looking for Kalki. Uh, Muslims for the Mahdi and so forth, all the way down through this list. Everybody's looking for a Messiah. Mm-hmm. You get somebody who's going to personate Jesus Christ and at the same time personate all of these guys rolled into one and suddenly the the world realizes we can be fully united we don't can have nothing that divides us be a very powerful argument wouldn't it it would and satan has the power to pull that off there's no question he has the power to pull that off imagine the uniting force that that could be particularly if you combine that with a major crisis Mm-hmm. Now, when I say a major global crisis, I'm not talking about COVID. COVID is a minor global crisis. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm talking about a major global crisis. I don't think we can really even picture that. And then a Messiah figure turns up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Then you would. Then you you the, the world could unite. Very, very, very quickly. And unfortunately, unite against God and against God's people. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.